This is a worldwide podcasting radio network syndicated show. And welcome everybody to our vlogcast we're doing here called the Geek Pod. Myself, Chris Adams, along with Mike Currents. And tonight we are going to be discussing Star Trek and Star Wars. Mike, a favorite of both of ours. Although you do tend to lean more towards the Trekkie. Uh, thoughts on Star Wars? I mean, as far as what you first thought about it, the first time you've seen it, and I'm sure it was not to theaters to keep you from joking on my age already. Beat you to the punch. Well, let's, I mean, let's face it, Chris. Uh, Star Wars, the, the, the original uh, trilogy, was cinematically advanced for its time. There was nothing else out there really like it. There were, there were things that, that came before it that were close, but not really... Not really that 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 production that that attention to detail the the, the models they used the the way they shot the scenes uh, visually it was it was a pleasing uh, experience the story you know eh, I'm not a huge Star Wars uh, fan I mean I like it I, I enjoy it but it, it isn't something that that gets me riled up in the morning to say oh boy there's a new Star Wars movie coming out or I'm not one of those people that went back and watched the remastered. Uh, original trilogy in the theaters. It just wasn't that sort of appeal to me. But if you are a nerd or a geek or you know any any semblance of that, like we are, you're going to have an interest in it, at least some sort of interest. If any if anybody's ever you know even wondered about Dungeons and Dragons, they are probably a Star Wars fan. That's that's very true. I mean, you got to be able to be. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh... Buck Rogers of the 25th Century, Battlestar Galactica, all the old TV shows that were sci-fi. I mean, you can't think of anything about that and not watch Star Star Wars, truly, honestly. And to start off with, you know, Star Wars was not a big thrill by the movie theaters to show it to movie theaters. Uh, a lot of them didn't want to show it, uh, is some of the things I've read in the past about it. And there was a deal struck with some other movie that was being shown on a book adaptation and it was said, if you show this one, you have to show this Star War, Star Trek movie. I'm sorry, Star Wars movie as well. See, I'm jumping on Star Trek ahead of the time. Um, just so everybody knows, before we get too far into this, Mike, I forgot to say earlier, we're going to be doing a two-hour recording here tonight, possibly, uh, covering Star Wars and Star Trek, both new and old. So you're going to see the same gear for each one of the episodes. Yes, we do have more clothes. We're not like Gilligan and the Skipper with just one outfit, but... Uh, We'll be covering all four of these shows tonight if we can, uh, possibly two of them for sure. And uh, Star Wars is where we're starting off first uh, for the first two. Now, we're going to jump on the episodes one through six to start with. And uh, I'll go ahead and start, Mike, on episode one if it's okay with you and get us jump started here. Episode one goes all the way back to what this all began with. Um, you know, Darth Vader was the big bad guy in four, five, and six, but. He came from somewhere, and turns out he's Luke Skywalker's father, and people want to know more of a history about all that. Well, Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker, and Anakin Skywalker was supposed to be the product of the Force. There was no real father. He was just conceived by the Force, they say, and that's supposed to make him a part of a bigger thing where he brings balance to the Force. Now, Micah thought like that does not probably sit well with a lot of people. It's a, kind of a weird concept, weird storyline. What did you think about that when they brought that storyline out to him being conceived by the Force itself and not there was no father involved? Well, you know, my take on Star Wars and, and the way they present the Force is, is, is the Force is religion. And he's Star Wars Jesus. So, I mean, it's not – it's it's relatable to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I know. But that's what it is. He is basically a – He's a ripoff of, of, of Jesus. Only, I mean, you know, Jesus didn't dress in all black, technically. You know, had the big uh, thing going on. But uh, I see what you're saying, though, when you get to that. I mean, the whole religious aspect of it. Because they will tell you that the Jedi were a religion of their own and everything. And the way they believe in the Force and how the Force is something that if you don't believe in it, that you just don't have it. Uh, but they say the Force is around everything. Uh, made of midichlorians and all that good stuff and everything. We're not going to go too far in depth with all that because we only have so much time and we can't cover every last little thing. But uh, there's uh, characters introduced. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's um, master, which was Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, so you got Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, and they are a part of the Jedi Council, and they're doing their 
kind of some negotiation work, I guess you could say, uh, for the Jedi's between. Uh, gosh, I can't think of the word of what they were, Mike. Uh, at this point, anymore in the Phantom Menace, but they were having some troubles, and they were there to arbitrate between the two uh, parties there. Uh, the uh, planet of Naboo and uh, the people the, with the blockade. Uh, that being said, uh, this brings them at one point to a planet where they're trying to hide uh, the queen at, Queen Amidala, and they've got this kid there on the planet, and his name is Anakin Skywalker, and he's a very good pilot. He can fix practically anything there was. He's got no father, uh, yet Qui-Gon Jinn can sense the Force in him really strong, and he feels he is the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the Force. Um, and Mike, with that part right there, I'm going to come to you, bringing balance to the Force. Um, that could be taken many different ways and everything. Uh, in their eyes, it was bringing balance to the Force where everything is good and even on the Jedi side because no Sith have been, sound, have been seen or found for years at that point. Well, you know, this is, this is the thing where a lot of Star Wars uh, Wars fans, they they can't see the nose. They can't see their nose despite their face because to bring balance to anything means that you have a zero sum. So in order for the force to truly be balanced, there should there has to be no good and no bad on either side. So I mean, of course, that's my logical thinking coming through as a non-Star Wars fan. Well, not a non. Well, you know what I mean. But for the characters themselves to be so intelligent and so in tune with with the force for them not to realize that the only way to bring balance to a ledger is to have a zero there is, is sort of asinine because if you're going to bring balance to the force, you're going to destroy both sides. There's not going to be any more Sith. There's not going to be any more Jedi. There's just going to be normal people who aren't force sensitive. Does it kind of make you feel like whenever they talk about bring balance to the force, how they only want it to be balance. Uh, they only want it to be balance of the Jedi on their side, it seems like. Uh, there's no balance between... There, there was true balance. Like you said, there'd be both good and evil. There'd be Sith, there'd be Jedi. Um, not one overpowering the other. It would just be equal amongst the two. You would think. That would be balance between those two right there. Or there'd be, like you said, none at all. So one way or the other, you've got to have a balance in some form. So to me, the way they looked at it, balance was only in favor of the Jedi, and the Sith would not be there, and peace and harmony in the galaxy is there and that's it. That's what I took from it, basically. But that's not really how balance works. True. I mean, I get what you're saying, you know, balance. You've got to have something that's balanced in between. I mean, like I said, I think it's more balanced if you've got um, both Jedi and Sith that are there and not one is overpowering the other. To me, that's balanced because you've got the two. It's pretty much equal at that point and not one is better than the other at that point. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. But and for eons, uh, throughout the Star Wars mythos and history, for a long, long time, there had only been two Sith because that was the way of the Sith. You had the Master and you had the Apprentice, you had you know Darth Plagueis and Sidious, you had Sidious and Maul, and then Dooku, and then finally Vader. So, to not know this being so that they would have had to have known that if there were still Sith alive and still Sith practicing, there were only two of them because there had only been two for eons. So why would you want to seek out the one thing to bring the balance to the force that would pretty much guarantee your destruction? That it, would be it's, the, it's flawed from the inception. It's flawed from the inception. Right. That would be in the writing and everything we're talking about. Definitely. I mean, you got, uh, it, it's like the writing kind of contradicts itself in a way. And when you got to the point to where later on down the line, the original four, five and six that was released, um, a lot of the people then said the storyline they had for 4, 5, and 6 really wasn't all that great. They didn't really get what they were getting at with it. Why would they explain it that way? Uh, you know, it's like Luke's a little, he's just a, 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 a bored farm boy who wants to join the services or something. That's what it looks like. If you're looking at it in real life kind of feel, and he wants to get away and he wants some adventure. Uh, that's pretty much a story base you can put in a lot of movies. But to twist some of the things around the way that they did, like you said, uh, early on, the balance with the Force, uh, creating something out of nothing. The Force created this child and this woman, and that's how it worked out. There was no father that had a part in it or anything. Um, it's some crazy things. Uh, but going further down into the movie, Mike, um, we see the reintroduction 
of the Sith, and they think the Sith have been extinct for a lot of years now. Uh, you've got uh, Darth Sidious uh, training Darth Maul, and Darth Maul is just dying to make his presence known to the Jedi and start killing Jedi along the way. Um, we see him about uh, not quite the halfway point in the movie, but a little, just a little under half. What was your thoughts on Darth Maul when you seen him as a Jedi? When you when they first brought him out, to me, he was probably one of the coolest ones I've seen. Honestly, Darth Maul was the Darth Maul and Qui Gon Jinn were the saving graces of the 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 three prequel movies. Um, they were the characters that were most vested. They were the characters that most people were interested in because they were they were good characters. Unlike the uh, <clears throat> Misa Soul Sorry Jar Jar Binks. Which you know, I mean, that that was that was just a sign that George Lucas had gone off the deep end, that that he had he had become the, the type of person that maybe is drinking too much Pabst Blue Ribbon while he's watching American Idol. But you had the only two characters that people really cared about, and you killed them in the first movie, and then you left us with people that w- w- the acting wasn't that great, the story wasn't that great. And then we had to deal with Jar Jar the entire time. Now, I will say this. Now, I'm I'm a fan of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, I mean, the fact that Obi-Wan Kenobi is a part of the prequels is great for me. Qui-Gon Jinn was a great character, and I did like it. Um, Hayden Christensen could probably have been cast as somebody different, and we wouldn't have lost anything out of it or gained anything differently, I don't think, either. Because um, I was reading earlier, just uh, catching up on a few uh, facts from some of the series, and it was said that other than Hayden Christensen, some of the other people who were in line to get that role were Leonardo DiCaprio, James Vanderbeek, um, or Ryan Philippe, believe it or not. And I don't know of those three which one would have been best. Uh, as far as acting ability, acting ability probably go to DiCaprio. He's a fairly good actor. Uh, but I don't know how people would have reacted to him as playing Anakin Skywalker at that time. And um, it probably would have been a better stretch, believing uh, DiCaprio as Anakin versus Hayden Christensen when you take Jake Lloyd in the first movie as the kid. Uh, because if you figure if you figure him years older, then he probably looks more like DiCaprio than anybody, any of the ones mentioned, I guess, here. So who knows what we would have got out of it if he had taken that role instead. Well... Chris, honestly, Hayden Christensen couldn't act his way out of a softcore pornography. But DiCaprio is a little bit on the short side and a little too familiar. They they needed somebody who wasn't quite as familiar. But it's it's very hard. It's very hard to say what if. Exactly, and uh, I think that's why they were looking at uh, someone like Hayden Christensen to take that role because he wasn't quite as well known as the rest of them were. And they gave them somebody fresh and new to work with. Uh, going on past this, though, they had a great um, – the, the thing about a Phantom Menace that stood out for me were the lightsaber battles at the end. I'm a big mark for lightsaber battles. Uh, I don't care whether if it's in the first three or the four, five, and six or whatever it was. I just like seeing that stuff. The special effects for it's always great for me. The sound effects that involved with it makes it just feel like a, it's a really cool fight. And to see Darth Maul come out uh, with his lightsaber – and, you know, stand there in front of him, hit that button, and then say, oh, let me turn it to the side here and get my other one out. Uh, when I first seen that theater, uh, everybody in the theater, first of all, just marked out over that. That was some awesome stuff. It was for me as well. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was crazy over that. Um, I'm thinking, man, look at that. Like a freaking bow staff lightsaber. What are they going to come up with next? That's awesome. Um, but the fight scene between the three of them was great. And uh, when you seen at the end Obi-Wan come in, had to take him on a one-on-one because Darth Maul gets the advantage over Qui-Gon Jinn and kills him in front of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, kind of a sad moment, like you said, because they killed one of the big characters we were all big on at the time. But Obi-Wan steps in and makes a great fight against him for a couple of minutes, and that was pretty awesome. The downside of the whole movie was, including his short part in the second one and third, was Jar Jar Binks. I don't understand the purpose of bringing that character in. It didn't have any real point, I didn't feel like. They could have put anything else they wanted to in place of that and had them lead them down to the Gungan place and work them in with it, or they could have skipped the way they got to the Gungan city to begin with and just found their way to Naboo anyway. And then later on rallied troops from the Gungan people and had them fight alongside with them. And we wouldn't have missed out on anything at that point. Uh, there's no real storyline involved with it to me. 
uh, that Jar Jar Binks serves, other than the fact that he was manipulated later on in the second movie to agree uh, about making uh, Palpatine the Supreme Chancellor, I thought. Well, Chris, um, I have seen many things that, that uh, in research that points to the fact that Jar Jar was, a, was supposed to have a much larger role throughout the prequel movies. However, the reaction to him from the fans in The Phantom Menace was so negative that they actually changed the story. Now, these are unconfirmed reports, but they are they have been circulated and, and they seem to have merit behind them. Uh, and the most, the most prominent of those reports state that Jar Jar was actually supposed to be what Count Dooku was. He was supposed to be the next Sith, but that the fan reaction was so negative that they pretty much just wrote him out of the entire thing and then gave him that bit at the end that he, where he makes Palpatine, the Supreme Chancellor, and gives power to the Sith. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think anybody would have really believed him being any kind of a Jedi. I, I've seen the video you're talking about and referring to. It's one of those what if kind of things, or a uh, a theory of what how it could have went if that had been the same. And they had little clips from the movie showing where Jar Jar could have been doing things on purpose, but looking to be accidental that you would see the Jedi actually do or something. Uh, which is kind of crazy to me. Uh, I, I couldn't see Jar Jar Binks as a, uh, as a Jedi. And if that is how they went with it, I probably, Star Wars fan and all, might not have put as much interest in those prequels. Uh, jumping on to the second prequel here, The Attack of the Clones, um, some people didn't like the name Attack of the Clones. I know uh, Ewan McGregor, that plays Obi-Wan Kenobi, thought it was kind of a stupid name at first. Uh, but then again, you know, the actors don't get to make the titles. They just get to run with and do their parts in it. Attack of the Clones, I was really looking forward to because I wanted to see the Clone Wars. Although I did feel robbed by it, though, because you didn't see much of the Clone Wars. All you seen was one big fight scene at the end where the Jedi has come down to come rescue Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin and the princess. Or the, I'm sorry, she's no longer queen at the time. She's Senator um, Amidala. And uh, you have a big old gigantic fight between all the Jedi and the Clone Army. And so that was kind of cool, but you didn't see much of the Clone Wars itself. You just get the idea of them making the clone armies and the original attack of them at that point, how it first started out, how the uh, Sith took control of those armies and uh, and basically gone from there. It, it, it was a better movie than the first one. And I think they progressively got better, Mike, as they went along. The third one, to me, was the best. Um, but I think they also overdid... In all three movies, they overdid the special effects for the you know with all the green screen. I think there was just too much green screen. So I don't know. What do you think about that part of it? Well, green green screen uh, was big back then. I mean, that was that was the big big thing in, in a lot of science fiction uh, films. CGI was was making a lot of headway, and there was a lot of a lot of the uh, the green screen happening. Just like uh, I'll jump just a little bit. Like they're doing the the projections of the of the dead actors over in um, using CGI to bring people basically back from the dead now, and which is which is neat. It's in its infancy, and I'm sure in in five or ten years it'll be way better than what it is now. And had the had the prequels waited another five years, the CGI, the special effects probably would have been much much better, but they didn't. Uh, Attack of the Clones was probably my least favorite of the prequels because it was, it just, it, it seemed time between it and The Phantom Menace. There was too big of, a, of an area that we, we missed. You know, we, we missed Anakin going from a little kid to basically a teenager, well, not basically, but a teenager. There, there's like 10 years that is gone that there's no explanation for. And it, that, that's the kind of, thing that I don't like when you have a trilogy or a series of, of, of movies and they take gigantic leaps like that. It's, it, it, turns, it, it turns me off as, as a fan because I want to know what happened. I want to know what happened to little Anakin Skywalker, what turns him into older Anakin Skywalker. We get what turns him into Darth Vader. We get there. We, we, we know it. We see it between the attack of the clones and Revenge of the Sith. But what we don't know and what we don't understand 
is what hooked that spark in him from the time he was a, the wee lad up. I think they kind of touch on it basically. Not a lot, though, Mike. They, they kind of touch on it a little bit in Attack of Clones where he's always telling him that, you know, be mindful of his thoughts, be mindful of his tongue, basically, the way he talks to uh, Obi-Wan sometimes. Um, he's always uh, a little too adventurous, always getting into trouble, going head first in without thinking of things. I think we would have seen some minor adventures of the two uh, doing basic stuff, nothing nothing fancy. Um, you would have got an accelerated training sequence probably showing how he went from being just Anakin as a kid to Anakin as a young teenager because we get Anakin as an older teenager when he's pretty much almost turning a man at that point. It feels like he's like he looks like he's 16 or 17 to that point. Uh, and I think you're right that it was a 10-year difference. So if it's a 10-year difference, I think he was like... Um, what, six or seven when they found him or something? Can't really recall that part for sure. Uh, but uh, I'm kind of glad that they did, we didn't get that kind of thing about Anakin because it wouldn't mess up the future movies we're talking about getting now, uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi spinoff series. I don't know if there'll be more than one movie or just one movie or how that'll work, but we're going to see an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie for sure of some of his previous adventures uh, before you see him uh, have to kill Darth Vader and stuff, I believe. I don't because after that he goes into exile, and we don't see him anymore. Um, well, that be the whole battle scene in the Battle of Attack of the Clones. I, I liked a lot. Uh, I didn't care a lot for the even on a big mark for the lightsaber fights. Like I said, the Count Dooku bit um, against Obi Wan and Anakin. I thought they made Obi Wan and Anakin look kind of weak. And I didn't like that too much. Uh, Obi-Wan especially should have been a stronger Jedi at that point. Uh, but when Yoda come in, I know the crowd went just crazy. Uh, seeing him come out and pull out the lightsaber, flipping around and everything. And I'm not, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I got um, my wife had picked it up for me. I got a little small version of the Yoda um, lightsaber back there on the wall, actually. Um, now, did you know little fun fact here before we move forward to the Revenge of the Sith and wrap that up real quick. Um, Mike, did you know that Yoda originally had a different name? He was not Yoda. He was, believe it or not, I don't know how you could get away with this. They talked about his name being Buffy. Now, this is not like from the the, the yacht club, Chip and Buffy. Play, play tennis with us this weekend. No, Buffy was going to be the name. And they went from there and changed it from Buffy to give him a full name of Minch Yoda, M-I-N-C-H, Minch Yoda, and eventually went on to just be in Yoda only. And he, he does not have a, a, a designated species as to what he is. Like Chewbacca being a Wookiee, we don't know what Yoda is. But we do know there was a female Yoda because we've seen it. We have seen it, yes, so, but we, we still so don't know what Yoda, they are. Yoda is a species. We just have not been informed as to which species Yoda belongs to. Right. David broke that down for us and said he's this or he's that. Uh, which is another yeah. reason that I uh, am not a huge Star Wars. I, 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 it's another reason I just don't. I mean, here you have the most important and the strongest Jedi of his time before Anakin. And we don't even get to know what freaking species he is. What planet he from? I mean, how? Who was his teacher? Who would he learn from? Exactly. Uh, we we, did, we have we, we don't know. We don't I mean, know. Nobody just snapped their finger one day and he suddenly popped out a Jedi. It didn't work that way. So right. I had to teach yeah. him. Right. right. Q, Q does not exist in Star Wars. Right. Sorry, it's because because well, never mind. We we're doing another episode for another day. <laughs> um, I was gonna say because Q sucks, but. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to know more about him. Now, there was a thing going around for a while there. They were kicking the idea around of letting fans vote on what they'd want to see. Do you want to see a Boba Fett series of movies? Do you want to see a Yoda series of movies or a Obi-Wan Kenobi? And I don't know if they settled on just one or if they're going to do one of each of them or what. They're going to have a Han Solo spinoff series when he's a young Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That uh, that being said, going to the last one, Revenge of the Sith, I'm just going to touch on this so we can jump on 4, 5, and 6 so we don't go too far over our limit. Um, and uh, Revenge of the Sith, Mike, I thought that was really great um, the, because, quite frankly, the lightsaber battle at the end of it couldn't be touched by all the movies combined in one. That lightsaber battle was tremendous. It was fast. It was well choreographed. 
and it was just crazy. They knew it's, it's like they knew each other so well because it's you know the teacher student kind of thing, and it's just it's, it's just nuts how well he knew him, and and the fact that you had um, more Mace Windu in this one, uh, showing more of his capabilities, and having him face off against Palpatine because not many Jedi's could take Palpatine or Darth Sidious, whatever you wanted to call him at that point. It looked like to me like Mace Windu even did better at it than what Yoda did, even though Yoda was kind of caught off guard with something um, that happened in there. At least Mace Windu had him defeated, it looked like, uh, and was going to take him in or kill him until Anakin snapped and changed and you know killed Mace Windu instead. Technically, we didn't see a death of Mace Windu. We saw him fall from the window. And right. as you know, as you know, Mike, on a lot of these things, when it comes to Jedi's, you've seen them, both Obi Wan and Anakin, take large falls and land safely on something and survive. So, for all we know, he survived and went on, and he went to exile as well. Um, Samuel L. Jackson always dies. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, just possibility this could happen. You know, he has he has petitioned a little bit, uh, playfully at least, anyway. Uh, to the Star Wars people about bringing Mace Windu back for something in these uh, new ones that are out that we're going to touch on in a minute. Um, but I don't know if that'll, that'll ever happen or if he'll even be brought into it. Uh, there's been rumors that we'll touch on a little bit later, too, is what it, if he did get brought in, how he could be brought back into it that are kind of cool to think about. But uh, anyway, uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, great movie. Did you, now, did you like Revenge of the Sith compared to the previous yes. two movies before that? Yes, yes. Revenge of the Sith for me was was the thing that it, it was the thing that kept it from being a complete disappointment. It, it, it was, it took them three times, but you finally, I finally sat down, watched a movie, a star Wars movie and went, okay, this is what it should have been. This is what they should have been. And it led beautifully into what would be rogue one. Well, and then rogue one, I thought well, was this a great movie. That's one of the new ones we'll touch on here in a minute as well. I liked that a lot. Um, the, um, the whole thing here, though, this kind of uh, segueing, it gives you the what happened to the babies and everything, what happened to Luke and Leia before, because you hear in A New Hope of uh, them being taken. Luke was given to his aunt and uncle. He grew up with them, didn't know his mother and father. Um, Obi-Wan had dropped him off there, and he lived at the same planet watching over him over all those years until the time was right or until to make sure nothing happened or anything. And Leia was taken by um, Bail Organa, and his wife, and 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 been raised in a different type of uh, situation. So it's like two different extremes: uh, poor farm boy growing up, uh, rich senator's daughter. <laughs> you know, it's almost unfair. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Star, Star Wars is full of, of cheesy cliches, but it's science yeah. fiction. And and as as science fiction lovers, we love cheesy cliches. Absolutely. That's you know, and, and I want to be the first to admit if if there's a sci-fi movie on at three o'clock in the morning that that has more cheese in Wisconsin, I'm probably going to record it because I want to see it. Flash Gordon, back in the day. I mean, why do you why do you think they're they're making like five million Sharknados? It's because people like cheesy sci-fi movies. I sort of say it beats me because I can't imagine why anybody would watch that Sharknado crap anyway. I can't get into that. That's not even you know science fiction. That's just crazy uh, uh, shark figure <laughs> movies. You know, sharks Maybe falling from a, the skies. Maybe that'll be a, a show for another day. Is is we can discuss the uh, the state of oh. of the modern sci-fi movie or in the modern sci-fi uh, channel. Oh, I will tell you, Sharknado will definitely get a show coming soon. There's no doubt about that. There's no way you can't talk about Sharknado, whether it be good or bad. It is a popular thing. I can't understand why once again, but it is. Um, but uh, to go ahead and get close to wrapping this up, we got four, five, and six: A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. This is a more and I guess, like I said, it was it was the whole meat of the matter. They wanted to get to it. This is the middle stuff. Originally, there was nine that were laid out, um, and uh, seven, eight, nine never got much interest back in the day. Just four, five, and six only because it told the bulk of the story he wanted to tell. Um, so you got Luke now, who's uh, practically eighteen, wanting to get away from the farm. He's wanting some adventure. He can. He's a good pilot. He's his friends are all going and joining the fight against the Empire. He wants to do it too. Why can't he have his time at it? Uh, these droids, uh, the R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO, that we do get a brief look at in some of the other movies. Um, Anakin actually built C-3PO to begin with, which is kind of funny that he ends up with Luke years later. 
Uh, of course, his, his memory is wiped. He has no memory of anything like that. So uh, he doesn't much to tell him about it. But these two droids end up in his lap, basically, delivering the message to Obi-Wan Kenobi to come help Princess Leia since he served her father years ago in the Clone Wars. Um, so this kind of t- brings you back tied in with the uh, prequels now. You're caught up to date and everything. You're seeing what's going on. you got a, a way older Obi-Wan Kenobi who is agreeing to help, and uh, they're seeking help to get to Alderaan to uh, go and get the princess or meet up with the princess and everything, I guess, until, of course, that epic moment where it's blown up by the Death Star Mike and all these people just go silent all at once, he says to him. Right. Now, I'm going to hop off here and start hating immediately because after the prequels and you watch A New Hope, you have one of the biggest continuity flaws in all of Star Wars, and that is the fact that Obi-Wan does not recognize and cannot understand R2-D2. And we know he can. From the prequels, we know he knows R2-D2 and can understand him. But for some reason, he can't, and he doesn't. i I, I got to give you that one, Mike. That's um, You're absolutely right on it. Uh, it's, uh, it's crazy how he doesn't recognize him suddenly anymore and don't understand what he's saying or anything. But... Um, I don't know. I, I just noticed. Can you see my picture on here any longer? Yeah, I was about to. I was about to ask you. Can you see my picture anymore? It's like it's not picking up my voice or anything. Well, it's picking up your voice. I, I can see the voice waves, but there you are. Oh, you see now. There you are. Just so you people know, if you are watching right now, we are doing this on Google Hangouts. Uh, we didn't previously use Google Hangouts, and what I did by accident was I did click the camera icon instead of my microphone to mute my microphone so Mike could talk. So my bad. Um, the whole thing you talked about, though, about uh, Obi-Wan not recognizing R2-D2 is, a, like you said, it's a very big continuity flaw. Uh, but I don't think they, they, they didn't intend at the time, Mike, to go back and do 4, 5, and 6. There was no thought process behind that. Four, um, I mean, 1, 2, and 3. 4, 5, and 6 was it. That was all he was going to do. Um, so, and, then, uh, and he had so much trouble taking off with those because no theater wanted to play the fourth one to start off with. And the fifth one, he had to, uh, you know, forked the money out of his pocket, his own pocket, to get started with it until other people joined in, which is crazy because later on it ended up being like some of the biggest grossing franchise in all time at one point for the longest time. Um, but the uh, the whole Star yeah, Wars there's, story... There's very, right there, I mean, this seems to be a, a thing with, with science fiction in general, is that for some reason... Companies, uh, production companies, they have a problem with with picking it up and playing it. They they think there's no money in it. But it's always us as the fans that come along and save it. You know, Star Wars was saved because people went and watched it. People demanded it. I mean, why why did they they made the prequels? Because for 30-some years, people made noise that they wanted more to the story. And then, of course, George Lucas finally sold his rights to Disney, and you know Disney's going to make money. You know we're going to get Star Wars movies probably now until the end of eternity. Uh, Disney's not stupid. They're going to capitalize on where they did not do it on their own. They're going to bring you, uh, like I said, the uh, the young Han Solo series. You're going to get a Yoda movie when he was younger and probably find out a lot more about him. You're going to get the Obi-Wan series. Uh, maybe, I don't know if it'd be a trilogy or one movie like the Rogue One being just one movie, but Rogue One was an excellent movie because it leads directly up to A New Hope. It's still going back in time and tying things back together. And who knows, Mike, they might go back before Rogue One and tie something else into after the Revenge of the Sith into Rogue One. You never can tell. The the, the possibilities are really endless when it comes to it. Honestly, Chris, with the amount of, of, uh, with the amount of, what is it, momentum that the gaming industry has with Star Wars Old Republic, I would not be surprised if Disney does not go way back in time and give us an Old Republic movie, or maybe even trilogy of movies. That's quite possible, because the game's very popular, like you said, and I can definitely see that happening. Uh, if anybody has ever played Knights of the Old, uh, Star Wars The Old Republic before, it is actually free online to play. Uh, go check it out. Uh, it's a very fun game to play if you like Star Wars. You can actually get the feel of what it's like being a a Jedi of, of some sort. There's different types of Jedis in the game based on your lightsaber that you use. It's really kind of cool. Um, the uh, New Hope movie, though, Mike, was just a one big adventure story. And 
it's the adventure based around Luke Skywalker. He's the key of the of the four, five, and six. It's all based around him, basically. It seems like, and uh, he meets up with Han Solo, who is a smuggler, who gets him and Obi Wan Kenobi and the droids to where they need to go to. They make a friendship. Uh, he sends the Han sticks around for the you know the reward money uh, to uh, keep a part of that, and ends up having a big part of you know blowing the Death Star up. And when they finally figure out that there's not a, a space station, it's an actual, you know, it's it's like a, I'm sorry, not a, it wasn't a planet or something, it was a space station, they called it, and it's the Death Star, which blows up the planets and everything, uh, or whatever they want to blow up at that point. Um, it it, it uh, kind of segues into the Empire Strikes Back fairly well. They, they've blown up the Death Star at the end of the first one, and you in the beginning of the second one, the fight is still real, it's still going on, they're on the planet of Hoth, and uh, they got things going there. Uh, Luke Skywalker is uh, going to go start his training with Yoda, uh, as he promised Obi-Wan Kenobi he would do, while the others are holding off uh, at other places. Uh, after they get the whole Hoth thing out of the way, which was cool, because during that movie, we get introduced to the big AT-ATs, which was very, at that time, an awesome thing to see um, as a kid, like in the movies. Um, the uh, As far as the... Um, Stuff like such as AT-ATs and things of that nature, and the stuff that the uh, new Hoth area brought out. What did you think about that, Mike? Well, Empire Strikes Back is probably the best movie still of the entire franchise. It, like you said, it is the meat and the potatoes right there of Star Wars. You've got you've got Planet Hoth. You've got the war, the AT-ATs. The, the, the you think the Death Star's blown up, and then you find out well, it just wasn't quite good enough. You know, it's just like a but wait, there's more, and and that's the great thing about uh, Empire Strikes Back. And then then you have post car accident Mark Hamill, and if you are a discerning fan, you will notice that his face looks very different from A New Hope into Empire Strikes Back. Yes, but most people were just uh, well, and with the Empire Strikes Back, they were just kind of taking that. I think along with his face looking even more different uh, once you reach Return of the Jedi. Uh, Mike, as being like the battle-worn look, kind of like with Anakin Skywalker uh, looking so different by the time uh, Revenge of the Sith had gotten around. I mean, he's got scars on him. His uh, his, his hair just looks all kinds of crazy. Um, you could definitely tell he's been uh, battle-worn at that point. Um, not quite so much for Mark Hamill, though, in the 4, 5, and 6. They didn't go that extreme with it. And like you said, you know, that's just, there was a reason why it looked that way, but they would lead you to believe, though, he's seen enough action to where he got that different look going on due to that. Uh, the whole training thing he had with Yoda was very well, was kind of interesting to watch. Uh, learning the ways of, of doing the Force, it reminds you of, like you said, it's full of everyday cliches and happenings. Uh, him doing the Force and being taught the Force is no different than somebody being taught and learning how to to do um, uh, meditation, just regular meditation. Um, and things of that nature. That's pretty much what he was doing. It was just meditating and thinking on things and opening his mind was practically all he was doing at that point. And the force was supposedly flowing through him to give him the power to lift objects and um, do things he couldn't normally do, I guess. What do you thought? Are you there, Mike? Oh, yeah. Oh, you want me to talk now, huh, Chris? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, man. It's on you at this point. Well, you know, this it's just the like you said, it, it is full of cliche and it's the teacher student thing. It's, it's almost like here comes Luke, who is the, who is the, you know, he's going to train and, and he, he's not very appreciative. He doesn't listen. He's, he's, he's being kind of a douche and Yoda's just like, Yoda's nuts. He, he's not the same Yoda that we saw in four or in, in one, two and three. This Yoda is a little bit off his rocker and uh, he maybe a little too much time sniffing the swamp gas. So, it, you know, but the, the whole Yoda thing, the, the whole Yoda thing you're talking about, I, I, I know what you're talking about, how crazy he's seen. I think that was him just testing Luke Skywalker, though, and seeing what kind of person he was, how much patience he had at that age and everything, what he was like. Because even after he finds out and he, he, he lets him in on it that he's Yoda, he starts talking more of a calmer fashion and everything. He's not quite so nuts or crazy at that point. So the whole part about the just crazy Yoda, I think it was just a whole buildup just for Skywalker's sake to see what kind of person that he was, how much patience that he had brought on 
uh, at his age to start learning and doing the training and everything. It's whether he was worthy of the training at that point. Um, in which case, like you said, he does not treat him with very much respect. I mean, if this was a um, a true religion or a true martial art of sorts, you know, you can also kind of com- uh, compare it to a martial arts of some sort where uh, maybe it's, you know, maybe like a monk where they take so many kinds of vows and they do certain types of training and everything and the meditation is a big part of it and the belief's a big part of it. Uh, and, and he's acting all douchey, like you said, and being disrespectful to the teacher. Normally, you know, those kind of people would get their butts handed to them, and that's it. Um, he and well, I'm going to tell you right now, Luke Skywalker, he's better be damn sure that he's happy that he met Yoda in that swamp and not Mr. Miyagi, because Miyagi would have whooped his rear. Uh, that's right, Lucas-on. Uh you can catch Swamp Fly with chopstick. You to accomplish anything. My Mr. Miyagi is off very much at this point. Uh, out of practice. And now the geek pod has been labeled as racist towards Asians. Thanks, right. Chris. Now we'll never get Mr. Miyagi on the show, Mike. It's all your fault. Oh, Isn't he dead? Man. Well, that's just one more reason why we won't get him on the show. Um. um that being said, uh, he also just uh, completely sh- uh, shirks his training and says, you know what? I'm not doing this. I got to go. My friends are in trouble. My friends need me. Let's right. go crazy. I can feel them. They're in my head. Uh, and he goes on. And of course, he tells me it's a trap. When he gets there, it's going to be a trap. You know, it's a trap. It's a trap. Don't go. Instead, he goes there anyway, not completely prepared, uh, not ready to, to take on the power that is Darth Vader and although he does fairly well for himself, you know, that's where we get the highlight of the trilogy here where he loses his hand and Darth Vader reveals to him that he's his father and he doesn't want to believe it, but he tells him, you know, stop and search your feelings and you know it to be true. And he, it's like, he's thinking on it and he can just tell, you know, he's got that, that, that connection with him. And we get the infamous, uh, overacted. No! Great. Now we'll never get Luke Skywalker on the show, will we? No more camel. We just made fun of his big scene. Uh, to find out that was his father and um, to stretch it out, Mike, that was the big reveal for the uh, the franchise there, basically, at the time. That was a big reveal. That was the whole thing. And uh, now that he knows it's his father, how can he proceed going forward knowing he has to destroy Darth Vader as killing his father? Well, not only that. But that that scene, that moment, sets in motion the inevitable. It sets in motion the turn to the light of Darth Vader. And we we didn't know this at you didn't know it at the time. You didn't know it when the original trilogy came out because the prequels hadn't come out yet. But if you are a discerning person and you put two and two together, like most of our fans hopefully can. I mean, I know there's some people out there that probably just got here because they drew on their keyboard and it's in the uh, G button is stuck. And that's the only Chili. thing that will come up on YouTube. Chili Ray Phillips. <laughs> but, you know, at the, at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, when the Palpatine or Sidious tells Vader that the, that uh, Padme's dead, the kids are dead. And that's the thing that drives him into that deep, dark place to become Darth Vader. You know the moment that he realizes his children are not dead and that Sidious was manipulating him by telling him that, that it's going to, that, that, that would cause a change within him. You see it happen because he would have, should have just killed Luke when he had the chance, but he didn't. Because a Sith will kill the Jedi, but the Jedi are supposed to give the Sith a chance. But like when Dooku lost his hands and they were saying, don't, you know, Obi-Wan was trying to get, to keep Anakin from killing him. Well, it never actually happened as far as Obi-Wan trying to keep him because Obi-Wan was trapped under that thing. He couldn't see what was going on. But Anakin questioned the command from a Palpatine. That's right. And he said, it's not the Jedi way. He goes, he needs to stand trial for what he's done. Right. And he tells me that they can't afford to let him go. He's too dangerous to end him now. And that's when he cuts off his head, basically, at that point. But, but yeah, you're right yeah. on that, though. Right. That is I mean, Vader had the, had the opportunity right there 
to end the threat to, 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 because he has no connection to this young man. He has never seen this young man. He, know, he may know that it's his, his child, but there would be no connection and someone truly evil, someone truly enveloped in the dark side would have ended the threat right there because he could see the threat. He could see it. He could sense it. He, he, he knew how strong the force was, but there had to have been something good coming out. Well, knowing that when it comes to also to sit there, knows there's only two, you know, there's always only two. There's no room for Luke there unless it's going to be Luke and him overthrowing Darth Sidious, Emperor Palpatine at that point. If that's how it's going to happen, then I guess that would be something that would be different. That's why you keep him alive. But I think I agree with you. That's when the start of the whole thing, him turning, was he started feeling that was his son and he didn't want to lose his son, whereas the Emperor may have wanted him destroyed. He thought he'd be more valuable to them to bring him in and turn him, and that was his way of prolonging him and keeping him alive until they could do something different, probably. Mm -hmm. They don't really tell you that, but it's the feel you get from it, and you take that and go to the third movie, to The Return of the Jedi now. This is the the climax of the original trilogy here, Return of the Jedi. Uh, They're now no longer around the Hoth planet where that base was. They now uh, are on Endor, I believe it is, where the Ewoks are. And... um, Somebody made the point. I don't think the word Ewok was ever mentioned. Uh, did they ever, do you recall ever hearing them say the name Ewok in the movie anywhere at all? No, no. That that The term I do not believe was ever used in the actual movie. Yeah, I, I don't think it was either. I mean, they, they tell us they're Ewoks, you know, because marketing purposes, kids' toys and such for sure. But I don't think they ever used the term Ewok in the movies. I don't think they didn't know what they were. You could tell they didn't know what they were. And that they thought C-3PO was a god of theirs, and that they worshipped him, and that's all they knew about him, pretty much. And that they did help them fight a little bit. They were fierce little warriors, basically. Uh, originally, they said that battle and that base was supposed to be on Kashyyyk, which uh, where uh, Chewbacca's from, and you see the Wookiee race would have been fighting with him. Now, that, I think, would have been much cooler, in my opinion, but they didn't do yes. that. Um, and, but, but see then, Chris, they wouldn't have gotten those two lovely... Ewok movies that nobody ever has ever heard of. I started to say, what movies was that? Ewok movies, you say? Oh, the made-for-Disney television Ewok movies? <laughs> the ones that no one cared about? Those? Um, and the Ewok cartoon no one really cared about? Yeah. Well, they weren't really Disney movies, but, I mean, the one was narrated by Burl Ives, so, I mean, you know. I thought they were Disney stuff back then. Look, what's worse? What's worse? A big dose of the Ewoks or a big dose of Jar Jar Binks? Jar Jar. Yeah. At least the Ewoks are fierce little fighters. Yeah, we, we got to fall back on Jar Jar for sure. Well, as the movie progresses on, they find their way into the Death Star once again. we got to get the shields down, let them get in to make one more attempt to blow this thing up one last time. And this time, it's not shooting in through some little you know, small cubby hole looking thing from so many meters out. They're going inside the Death Star. They are taking the track in there. They got the Millennium Falcon. They're going all throughout the Death Star. Uh, don't believe the Millennium Falcon's the one that actually destroyed it, mind you, but, I mean, they're dry, they're flying things all through the Death Star at this point to hit the reactor inside the middle. And this is the way they destroy it for you know for sure this time. Um, which, as it turns out later on in the uh, 7, 8, and 9 you know, films in Episode 7, The Force Awakens, they get something much, much worse than the Death Star. Uh, but we'll go into, once again in just a minute. We'll start covering that. Uh, the whole thing with Darth Vader at the end of this one ends up being true. Anakin Skywalker does turn around and kind of, in the Jedi's eyes, bring the balance back to the Force where they have destroyed the Sith. Because he turns on uh, Emperor Palpatine, who is uh, using the Force lightning nonstop on Luke Skywalker, and dumps him over into the... Um, I don't know what you want to call that bottomless reactor. Maybe maybe the reactor he was thrown into or something, uh, and he's destroyed at that point. And uh, Darth Vader is now at this point, Mike, where he is dead or dying off, and we're going from there. But he did serve his purpose, as they said in the very first movie when they went back to the prequels and topping it off right there. Yes, indeed. That's, you know, that that is... And they could have ended it right there because that was that was a spot where the story had come to a conclusion. The, like you said, it was four, five, and six were the were the meat and potatoes of 
of the entire franchise of the entire story. Um, and I don't really know, you know, we'll, we'll never know now because we have an, we have an episode seven, we have rogue one or rogue one's a prequel really, but we have episode seven and then we're going to get eight. So we'll never know if they had just left it there and went back in time, if it would have been better. Well, that's very true. Very true. Uh, all in all, uh, episodes one through six, uh, for any of the uh, hardcore Star Wars fans out there, it's always going to be something that's a part of something very special for them. We're always going to like going back and watching them over and over again. I can sit down today and watch one through six in order uh, if I had a whole day open like that ever and, and, and not get tired of watching it. I enjoy it, but uh, it's not as few and far as between as it used to be, I'll tell you that. Uh, it's one of those things for me that's it's always going to be in my heart there, and I like to watch it. But I'm looking more toward the new stuff now, Mike. Uh, any, any last thoughts or words on the uh, originals one through six before we uh, close this segment out and go on to the new Star Wars stuff? No, Chris. Let's let's move on. Let's let's go on and let's talk about the up and coming, what's out there, the new, and Disney. Disney. All right. Well, everybody, we'd like to thank you for watching this segment with us. Uh, if you will, tune into the next one here. We're going to talk about the new Star Wars coming out. Uh, it's been out, actually, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. The uh, prequel they did of Rogue One tying into A New Hope, uh, which was still cool to see have on with the new characters and everything and what things were like then. And uh, the upcoming one, uh, the Star Trek, I believe it's the last... Is it The Last Jedi... I'm thinking, yeah, Star Wars The Last Jedi is the new Episode 8 coming out. And um, I haven't seen a great deal about that. I've seen bits and pieces of the trailer. We'll kind of touch on that a little bit. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us on this segment, and we will be talking with you here on the next one with the new Star Wars. Leave your comments down below here if you have anything to say about the old Star Wars flicks, uh, anything you want to point out to us, favorite parts of it, questions, uh, comments, things that we might have missed that we should have covered you want to hear more about, and we can always put it in a future episode if we go back to Star Wars again in the future. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us and like us and share us with all your friends, and uh, we'll see you here in the next one. Thanks.